that I have to declare the counsel of God unto you I praise the name of the Lord thank you Jesus I want to also appreciate you for clicking on this link to listen to this message surely you'll be blessed as you listen shall we pray father Lord God Almighty we thank you for the privilege to declare your counsel unto your people again thank you for this message I thank you for all the previous ones that have been a blessing to all the people that listen to them I thank you, Father, because this message also will be a great blessing unto everyone that is listening right now. Souls will be healed, sinners will be brought to repentance, those who are weak will be strengthened, and those who seek you will receive help. Thank you, Father, because they will find you. O oh Lord, minister to every here and bless everyone that will do this word. Glory be to your holy name. And at the end, your name shall be glorified. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Once again, my listener, thank you for clicking on this link. Now, this message is the second part of the message titled, Escaping the Pitfalls of Destiny. The first part is already there on this platform. If you check very well, you see the link. Just click on it and listen to it. You'll be really blessed. It's very rich. This second part is a continuation of the first part. So you have to listen to the first part to really connect with the second part of this message. However, as you listen right now, just know that you are going to really be blessed. God bless you. Now, in the first part of the message, I defined pitfalls as unforeseen or unexpected surprising difficulties and challenges. Entanglements, entrapments, booby traps, snares, baits, and hook devices that have the ability to hinder, ensnare, stagnate, capture, kidnap, or kill men in their journey of destiny. 
they may also exist as consequences of our actions and inactions. They can come as devices of predators and ambushers or avengers, stabbers, and destiny thieves who hunt for the precious life. According to the book of Proverbs chapter 6 verse 26, why do these thieves hunt for the precious life? They do so to steal, to kill, and to destroy. According to the book of John chapter 10 verse 10. Now, my anchor text is taken from the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 12. It says, people can never predict when hard times might come, like fish in a net or birds in a trap. People are caught by sudden tragedy. That's New Living Translation. I pray for you, my dear listener, you will never be caught in a sudden tragedy in the mighty name of Jesus. You will not fall into body traps of the enemies in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, uh, we noted that pitfalls can come at any time and anywhere. And noting also that pitfalls operate in a stealth mode. All this we talked about in the part one of the message. Uh, operating in stealth mode means that they operate like bobby traps waiting to capture, interrupt or terminate destinies in people's journey of their lives. What do we do to avoid pitfalls? According to the first part of the message, which I'm just uh, reviewing, to avoid pitfalls or escape them, we noted in the first part of the message, that among other things, that one should, number one, watch and pray. Number two, not be a lone ranger. Number three, make the Holy Spirit our guide. One should make the Holy Spirit our guide. And so, we will want to continue uh, in this second part by taking note of other ways or means by which we can escape keep the pitfalls of destiny so i want to look at how to escape the pitfalls of destiny furthermore let me numerically state again number one in continuation from the last message you have to make yourself accountable that self-accountability now, I would like to continue with this subject of accountability because I mentioned it in the previous message. And that's why I'm continuing with it because it's very, very important. I want to continue with the subject of accountability as a means of escaping pitfalls. Now, this is one of the most crucial indicators to know someone who will go far in life and who will never go far in life. One must be accountable to God to fellow men, and to self. We have a good example in the Bible. The name of that person is Joseph. Joseph held himself accountable to God and his master, who employed him or who bought him in Egypt. That's how he was able to resist and escape from the sexual advances, maneuvers, and overtures of his master's wife, who was sexually harassing him. In the book of Genesis chapter 39, verse 7 to 11. Genesis chapter 39, verse 7 to 11. Let me read. It, says, it came about after this events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Verse 8. But he refused. 
and said to his master's wife, Behold, with me here my master does not concern himself with anything in the house, and has put all that he owns in my charge. Verse 9. So there is no one greater in this house than I, and he has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? Verse 10. Uh, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he did not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Now, this is the narrative of what took place between Joseph and the wife of his master, Potiphar. Obviously, Joseph resisted her. And the argument of Joseph is this, look, I, 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 yes, it is true that my master has put me in charge of everything in this house. And because of that, I'm very relevant and very important, yes. But then he has not he has not given you or handed you over to me. You are his wife. So how can I touch you and be innocent? If I touch you, I will sin against God. So Joseph obviously was accountable to God and to his master. Yes, God was not there physically. He couldn't see God physically. Of course, he could have said, well, where was that God when I was being betrayed, when my brothers planned against me to slay me, when I was being sold off to Egypt as a slave? Where was that God? Why didn't he protect me? Oh, there is no God anyway. He could have said so, but he didn't. And he could have said, well, after all, my master is not around. He doesn't see what is happening, so he won't know. And uh, besides... Nobody will know, and his wife will not tell him. And he could have gone ahead, but he held himself accountable to his God, who is invisible, he could not see physically. He held himself accountable to his master, who probably had no knowledge of what was happening, and also held himself accountable to himself. And we all know the rest of the story because the woman did not give up. She kept pestering him until he became, she went physical. She had to physically grab Joseph and um, take it out physically on him. And Joseph ran out. Of course, we know the rest of the story. Now, let's compare this example of Joseph to the example of another man in the Bible called Samson. Samson was a very powerful man. And even though he was so powerful, as a one-man army, <clears throat> I mean, in the days of Samson, his, the national army went on leave. He was the one that was championing the cause of the protection of territorial integrity of his country. He fought as one man, as an army, and he defeated all enemies. He, he was strong and powerful, but yet he was a lone ranger. Samson had a weakness for women. He made himself accountable to no one. He took no one's advice and listened to nobody, including his own parents. Samson had no mentor and no one to call him to order. In the book of Judges, where his story is narrated, Judges chapter 14, verse 1 to 3, we are told that he fell in love with a daughter of the Philistines. That's one of the enemies, uh, the, the enemy nation of Israel. Can you imagine that? He fell in love with a daughter of the enemy nation of his own country that he had fought for years in vain. I mean, uh, 
this particular Philistines had fought for years in vain to capture him. So he fell in love with one of their daughters. And he ended his life ingloriously because before his time as a result of this. Now there are husbands who feel too big to listen to their wives because they, are, they feel they don't they're not accountable to their wives. There are leaders who feel too big to listen to their subordinates because they feel they're not accountable to their subordinates. Now if you don't feel accountable to man that you can see, obviously you will not feel accountable to God that you cannot see. Now, anyone who does not take advice from anybody nor listen to others will always end his mission ingloriously like Samson. And that's the truth of the matter. So, and do you know another error of this end time that I see in a generation of self-made Christian offers without genuine spiritual fathers who can mentor and grow them with the raw and undiluted truth of the scriptures. I see another error. I see another error in this generation. In people like this, they call themselves Christians, but they have no spiritual fathers, no spiritual parents who mentor them. They go from church to church. Any little disciplinary action, any little rebuke, they leave the church, walk out on the pastor, leave the brethren, and go to another church where they believe oh, someone will not be harsh on them. Uh, they just want to be free. They don't want anyone to, don't want anybody to, to, to monitor them, to chastise them. They don't want anybody to talk to them anyhow. They believe that where well, it's a free world, they can worship anywhere. Yeah, that is true. In the process, they have no particular mentor. Nobody mentors them. Nobody grooms them. So they move from church to church, from one place of fellowship to another, because they cannot submit themselves to church authority or anyone's authority. They have very little regard for spiritual parenting. Anyone who will grow up and go far must have a father. You want to go far, you must have a father to mentor you. That spiritual father, you, you, it, it takes precedence. It takes the obligation to help you to grow in the spirit. And you must make yourself accountable to such a father in order to avoid pitfalls of destiny. Let me go to point number two. Never be scared to hear the truth about you. If you want to escape the pitfalls of destiny, don't ever be scared to hear the truth about you. Why? Because the Bible says you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You see, there are individuals, there are leaders, there are husbands who dislike being told the truth about themselves. They don't just like it. Whereas they love to see, hear, or discuss other people's errors and faults. And they do it all the time. They take pleasure in it, but they cannot bear to be told their own errors, even politely, because it hurts them badly. They don't take kindly to criticisms, criticisms or critics. They don't take kindly to anyone that tells them the truth. They see such as confrontations and brand those that tell them the truth as rebels. They blast anyone, blacklist anyone who dares to openly disagree with them and subject them to psychic intimidation and administrative frustrations and harassment. 
anyone or a leader who likes to hear only what he likes to be told is threading a dangerous path because such a man will only be surrounded by betrayers traitors impostors pretenders sycophants flatterers and bootlickers who will tickle his ego with lies and falsehood until he falls number three you want to escape the pitfalls of destiny always take time to regularly examine yourself oh yes occasional self-assessment and examination is a sure way to escape the pitfalls of destiny and to ensure that we are still on track paul the great apostle in second corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 to 6 second corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 to 6 he says test yourselves to see if you are in the faith examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves that jesus christ is in you unless indeed you fail the test and i let's check lamentation chapter 3 verse 40 lamentation chapter 3 verse 40 says let us search and try our ways and turn again to the lord and in first corinthians chapter 11 verse 31 first corinthians chapter 11 verse 31 the word of God says, For if we will judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now, it is very, very important for us to create the habit of regularly examining ourselves. Don't be too overconfident. Don't think, Oh, I am perfect. I'm just okay. Yes. If people are not even telling you the truth, or if people are telling you the truth, whatever. Despite that, you still need to isolate yourself occasionally and check yourselves. Examine your characters, your habits, and ask yourself, am I doing things right? The way I'm leading, am I leading people right? The way I talk, do I talk right? Is everything okay with me? Examine yourself under the word of God, the mirror of the word of God. You see yourself the way you are. And one thing I noticed that when you come before God, uh, with open-mindedness and sincerity, the first thing you, you will see or God will show you is about your errors. God will show you your errors and you will see where you are wrong immediately so that you can correct yourself and repent and put things right before God. That's very important. Now, David prayed a prayer to God in Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. When you regularly set time aside, set time aside to try yourself, to examine yourself, examine your ways, God will only show you areas in your life that need to be improved upon, and you will gladly improve upon it. And oh, you can't do this and fall into the trap of enemies, because God will always re, re, uh, expose to you. All the areas in which the devil or the enemies are waiting to hurt you. And I pray for you that as you listen and you do this in the mighty name of Jesus, you will not fall. Let me go further. Number four, to escape the pitfalls of destiny, you need to stay with the word of God. Stay with the word of God. Now, the word of God is the life manual. It's the only map and navigating tool to guide us through these uncharted territories of this mysterious world. A life without the word of God or a life that is lived 
without the word of God is a life lived on betting and gambling. You want a settled life, settled home, settled career, settled marriage, settled business. You gotta live by the word of God because it is the only thing that is settled and it is settled in heaven. Because Psalm 119 verse 89, Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. What is settled in heaven is the only thing that can settle the earth. You want your home, your marriage, your career to be settled. Apply with the word of God and stay with the word of God. It will settle things for you. And David says again, Psalm 37 verse 31. Psalm 37 verse 31 says, When the law of God is in your heart, none of your steps shall slide. And God himself commanded Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, God Almighty himself commanded Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. He says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Why? That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Now, emphasis mine. Take note, says, For then thou shalt make thy will prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. In other words, success is connected to the word of God. When you live by the word of God, you stay with the word, the word of God rules in your life, success is inevitable. But when a man lives without the word of God, failure is inevitable. The Lord will help us as we stay with his word in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, let me go a little further. Now, if a man falls into any of the pitfalls of destiny, or falls in any way, can he rise again? The answer is, oh, yes, it's possible. We are all humans. There is no superman anywhere. No superman. Because the, the book of Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, says, For a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Prophet Micah said in the book of Micah chapter 7, verse 8, Micah chapter 7, verse 8, he says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. God said to Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, it says, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God does not choose the perfect. Please take note of this. God does not choose the perfect, but he perfects the chosen. That's what God was invariably telling Paul. Now, God doesn't choose the strong, but he strengthens the chosen. God does not choose the powerful, but he empowers the chosen. Now, if God chooses you, it's not because of who you are or what you are, but in spite of it all. Only God can keep us from falling. Jude chapter 1 verse 24. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. So it means that God can actually, he has the ability to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory 
in God. And I pray for you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, my listener, you will not fall. And if ever you are falling, the Lord will cause you to rise again. Just hold on to him. He has a big arm. He can grab you out of that pit and pull you up. Yes. Now, sometimes when I consider the uncertainties of this life, the temptations, the trials, and the barrage of attack from the pit of hell upon the children of God, some of which children of God are daily exposed to, I always ask myself, how shall we escape these things? But you know what? My greatest consolation and confidence always is in the very words that Jesus spoke before he departed this earth in John chapter 10, verse 27 to 29. Please turn with me to the scriptures. John chapter 10, verse 27 to 29. Let me show you. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Please take notes. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hands. In other words, Jesus is saying that his, his Father is powerful, is great. Powerful enough to keep you from the beginning to the end. Yes. But on one condition, you have to abide by his word. Don't wander out of his presence. Make sure that you do not unduly expose yourself to the attacks of the enemies. Keep within the limits. Stay within his network. It is only the ball that is passed on to God that God keeps. God is a goalkeeper. When the ball is passed on to him, he keeps it. A ball that is not passed on to God as a goalkeeper, he doesn't go after it to go grab it and keep. No. When you hand your life over to God and you keep to him and stay with him, he will keep you. But if you walk outside of his will, move out of his presence, out of his network, you are on your own. Don't trust God to keep you to the end. If you are going contrary to his will and walking against his will, against his will and walking out of his network, God can keep you when you remain with him. May the Lord keep you in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to conclude. I want to therefore assure and encourage you, my dear listener, that God can keep you from falling until the very end. Just stay in his grace. If you fall, you are not the first person to fall. So please don't stay down on the floor. Rise, man. Rise again and start fighting. Fight the good fight of faith. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, There are no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but with, will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And finally, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16 says, For we have not an eye place which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but while in all points, tempted like as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us boldly come unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is one of my favorite scriptures. So therefore, it means you should constantly seek the mercy of God and stay away from sin. And pray for grace to continue, and you will finish well and finish strong in the mighty name of Jesus. God bless you. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your word. 
Glory be to your holy name. I pray that everyone that has listened to this word, that you will keep them from falling. And if there's anyone that has fallen among my listeners right now, Father, please raise them up. Bring them up again from that pit. Strengthen them, O Lord. Empower them to continue to fight again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Keep every one of us in your place. Thank you for us at prayers. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. I don't worry over the future For I know what Jesus said And forever He is beside me For He knows what is ahead